Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Wednesday afternoon. It is going to rain, Allison. Um, Allison Lucan's here. It's going to rain Blue Jackets knowledge, Aaron. That's what it's going to do. Oh, wow. Um, you know the song, It's Raining Men. I do. Do you know who wrote that song? <sighs> no. Paul Schaefer. You know, it makes Isn't perfect sense. And I yeah, bet that more than does. half the people listening don't know that song or But Paul they know Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Do Good they? Thunder Bay Boy. Good Thunder Bay Boy. Um, lead lead uh, band director for Dave Letterman also. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. And used to be an SNL musician. Um, Blue Jackets. Uh, news today. Igor Chinikov and Avant Garde Omsk have won the Gagarin Cup. Did I say that right? The Cup? Uh, no, the, no, it's Gagarin. Isn't it Gagarin Cup? The Gagarin Cup. They won the, the championship of the KHL is what they did, Allison. And now we sit and wonder. Uh, Chinikov's contract with the KHL expires 430, so two days. And his agent isn't, uh, <laughs> he's not, he's kind of looking, he's kind of enjoying the talk here. Um, what's what's young Chinikov going to do? I, I, think, I think maybe he's hoping there would be more excitement in Columbus about this uh then there seems to be look it's there's five games left in a lost season by the time he gets here he might play a couple games at the end of the season it'd be nice to see him um what the heck i'll be surprised i guess if he comes over but but this has been a season of surprises these guys these guys can make a ton of money in russia and these guys and i don't say this in as any slight to them they don't want to come here and go to the american hockey league and make 75 or 100 grand when they could be making a boatload in the pros back in Russia. I get it. Uh, but we'll see what Chinikov wants to do. If he wants to take his shot at the NHL sooner rather than later, perhaps he's on a plane to Columbus and we see him before the season's end. So something to, to um, keep an eye out for there. Uh, Allison, Elvis Merzlikens was phenomenal last night. Uh, 41 saves. Seventh career shutout. The Blue Jackets beat the Red Wings one nothing in a shootout. And this is the the forty one saves match a career high. But the the stat that just blows me away is Elvis Merzlikens seven shutouts and fifty one career starts. That is a lot. That seems good. That that's really good. That is really good um, and really noteworthy um, by him. But what a night for him last night. And we'll get into sort of the backdrop of it, but your impressions of of his performance last night against the Red Wings. I mean, it's a little bit reminiscent. Unfortunately, the circumstances are unfortunate, but it's a little bit reminiscent of when Corpus went down with injury last season. And and I don't slight any player for this, but Elvis knows he is the right now number one goaltender, it would seem. For talent purposes, I mean, there's certainly going to be some exposure probably to some of the babies that are coming up, sure. but he's the number one goaltender and and he thrives in that environment. Um, I thought he looked strong. I thought, you know, he had a little bit of a foible right at the start, but he recovered. Um, and, and I think, you know, his underlying numbers are the better of the two for two seasons now for this organization. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, to your point, this has been, this season has been, a drag. I mean, let's be real. It's been really hard, let alone for us, for the people who are playing these games and trying to make it through. Um, 
And then he, Elvis brings this little nugget of joy at the end, honoring Nick Felino, who's no longer here, um, who never got to say goodbye from the ice. Um, just, just such a, in all aspects of what professional sports is supposed to be about, it was a great game for him, for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 uh, comes after, I think it was his last game. It was his last game late last week. So after our podcast last week, Elvis got, uh, pretty emotional. I, he didn't lose, lose, um, his, he didn't lose his place at all. I thought he stayed very well within himself. But he was very emotional about how tough this has been, uh, the losing. This is a young man. Um, like There's a few guys in the organization now who don't know what it's like to go through something like this. I, I think a lot of the fans assume that, uh, that they've all been through it before. And some of them have. Felino and Atkinson, those guys, Felino no longer here, of course, but th- those guys recognize what it was like after the um the the third the 14 15 and 15 16 season but this is this was the first for this is a first for Elvis and he's heartbroken by it i think that was one of the words that he used um he bared his soul a bit after that said it's just not fun in the dressing room at all right now um your thoughts on on him sort of pouring it all out there and i think speaking for many well, I think that last statement is exactly it. I think he spoke for many. And I think there is nothing more that breeds fandom and loyalty than passion, right? I mean, this is winning, of course, but I mean, passion is what connects people to people. It's what keeps them coming back. And it feels, his words resonated with people, regardless of their degree of involvement with this organization, fan, staff member, coach, whatever, it's my opinion, he spoke for many. And they yeah. felt that. And they felt connected to their team in that moment. And, you know, even, even that that jump last night in honor of Nick Felino, you know, I, I put out a GIF. I put out all these GIFs. Aaron, do you know how many people have watched that GIF, as we record this, do you know how many people have watched that GIF as of right now? Oh my God. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the Toronto, but really the worldwide impact of it. Tell me. What's your guess? Take, take a guess. Well, I feel like, I feel like I'm cheating here. I guessed, I think over a thousand earlier. And I know that was pitifully, pitifully low. 108,000 views, Aaron. That's amazing. That's insane. And to be very honest with you, there seems to now also be this undercurrent that this is not okay for Elvis Merzlikens to show his human side. And the little that I think we know him, this guy runs hot and he wears his heart on his sleeve. But at the same time, he's, in my opinion, one of the most genuine people that, I, that I've come across in, in this business. And, and that's just, that's really who he is. Like he, this is the guy who wants to have the city on his pads because he legitimately wants to love and be part of where he plays. Like he's Correct. done this everywhere. This is who he is. And there's this weird undercurrent seemingly starting to start that, you know, it's too much, it's inappropriate. And, and listen, if, if Elvis Merzlikens, first of all, demonstrating why he should be a marketing department's dream, <laughs> right now 
is a problem. I, I have a list of about 20 other problems that should come before that problem. I, I, I just, it's, it's shocking to me that, and, and now I'm getting into one of my global pet peeves, but why must we crush a little joy? Why must we crush a little right. spirit? I, I just, I don't understand it, especially this season. Imagine this guy on posters, this guy doing meet and greets when the world comes back to normal. I mean, this, this guy yes. can connect a city to a team. It, it's my belief. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, I think I've been saying for two years now that, that this is a player that aspires to greatness. And I don't think there are enough people here who recognize that or they misinterpret that. Yep. And they, and when I say they don't recognize it, they, they misinterpret it because they don't recognize it. And I think there would, before he got here, there was an expectation of obnoxiousness or me first. And uh, I think there's often a jealousy when, when one player commands so much attention. I think it's important, though, to recognize when that happens organically or when it's forced. And I, I mean, I, I just, I listened to, and I've listened to his words very carefully since he got here. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, people are listening. Mm-hmm. They're on high alert for this kid to say something out of line. Yep. Inappropriate. Um, a way uh, to, to, um, to lose sight of his place within the team. And these are his words from the other night. Some of them, uh, it's just embarrassing for us and our organization. We're embarrassing our organization, and that's the bad part. Now, I think what some people expect him to say is we are an embarrassing organization, and that's not at all what he said. He's taking the weight of this on the players in the room. We are. This is embarrassing for us and our organization. We're embarrassing our organization. We're not doing this on purpose, though. We're really trying. I don't know about the boys, but personally, it's bothering me. I can't sleep. Seriously. What have we lost now? Eight straight games? He said seven, but it was really eight. I didn't want to correct him. <laughs> uh, this is really sad. You can't understand. It hurts. For me personally, it hurts. I don't want to get, this is what got, <laughs> got him in a little hot water too, but I think, and I'm not, I don't think we're, I don't think we're stepping out of line to protect this kid. I just think we're reading his words honestly he said, I don't even want to get to like Buffalo. I don't want to get yep. to that point like Buffalo. He wasn't saying, oh, my God, let's not be Buffalo. Because quite frankly, Buffalo has been better than they have the last month. Right. What he's saying is we don't want to get to that point where they have to fire a coach and they're going to trade every player on the team. Even the even for them, it was hard, but they somehow got through and they find a win. We have to find that way, too. Mm-hmm. And I read all those and I got absolutely no problem with that. But what? The one thing that just overrides all of it is, and we're all sports fans. Uh, we're not Blue Jackets fans because we're, we're not allowed to be, and that's cool. But the one thing you want as a sports fan is to know that the players care as much as you do. A million percent. And I don't think I don't think there's any doubt, if you watch Elvis Merzlikens play, that he cares as much as the fans do, maybe even more. It's a good argument, which is a really good problem to have. The other thing I find so fascinating about him is I think he can read a room. Mm-hmm. I like, I, I don't know that 
I hope he was. I hope he didn't. And I don't think he thought about what he was going to do the first time they won without Felino there. But the way he handled it was perfect to the point where there were people I saw responding to your tweet out and they're like, okay, thank you. I'm crying now at 11 o'clock on a, on a Tuesday night. Like it was pretty emotional for a lot of people. And I heard from Felino today that he, he loved it. He loved it. That's and, awesome. Quote, loves the kid. I love that kid. Um, what an, what a, what an honor or what a way to, uh, to honor the captain who is no longer here and may return, but may never, right. may never be back. Well, and, um, and I think too, go. like, you know, you were talking about, you know, there can be jealousy or this and that and the other thing, the part of any communication, whether it be nonverbal, verbal, whatever, look at what's communicated and yeah. also look at the response because that tells you what was received. And as you said, everybody who responded to that tweet that I saw and there were many, and I think that's awesome. It had nothing to do with Elvis. And, right. and to your point, they saw that as not shining a spotlight on Elvis Merzlikens, right. as shining a spotlight on Nick Felino. And to me, when you talk about a huge important quality that a team should have any team, it, it's, it's edifying and lifting up your teammates when they should be lifted up. And as I said, you know, at least right now, Nick Felino has not had a chance to say goodbye from nationwide arena ice to the fans that just adore him. And right. this was not about Elvis Merzlikens. As you said, he read a situation. And even if it was just in that split second moment and said, I'm doing this for that guy, it had nothing to do with him in my opinion whatsoever. Yeah. It was all about the guy who wasn't here. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have opinions on this, Aaron. I have opinions. Yeah. Well, hey, that's why we're here. Um, they're going to trade a goalie this summer, probably. And there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. A lot of pissed off people if they trade number 90. And that's nothing against Eunice Corpusala. Correct. Been nothing but a class act. 100%. Since he's been here as well, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. But there are people, I think, that have a real emotional attachment to Elvis Merzlikens already. Yes. And, and even and though he's barely played Allison. Yes. And and again, in part because of injury, but sure. you know, again, I say any business, whether you're a sports team or not, there's the act to be done. And then there's also, you'll love that I'm saying this, the intangibles and the other ways that any employee benefits a business. And for an organization that at least in my opinion, still needs to continue to bolster the perception of this organization, not just nationally and internationally, but locally, when you got that club up the street, that college team, this kid, you put, again, I say it all the time, this kid, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, on some sort of marketing campaign, whew, I think you're, I think you're starting to really draw some attention to this group. And this group's going to have some, they're getting a new neighbor down the street Oh yeah. That just won a championship. So, so that's right. The marketing benefits of players, honestly, I think matters too. Yeah. And Allison, I'm not in that cool demographic, but I know people who are and they're crew fans. Yeah. They are crew fans. And, you know, I saw the thing a month or so ago, these are going to be the vendors at crew stadium. I'm like, well, oh, shit, I might, Oh, I might I go get a bite it's to eat sweet, at crew stadium. Isn't it? I know. Right. I mean, they're doing everything right. The stadium looks incredible. Beautiful. They're coming off a championship. Um, yeah. You wonder, and I was poking around a bit on that today. 
you know, you're now selling tickets to the same crowd. Yep. And I, you wonder what the, uh, if that makes it even that much tougher for Columbus uh, to push uh, season tickets for the, the Blue Jackets. Although I also heard that they're actually doing pretty well so far in the same rate they were last year. And a lot of people left their money with the organization. Yes. Yes. Um, over the COVID freeze, whatever you want to call it. And that's great. Um, yeah, it totally is. And there should, this is a big city. This is a much bigger city than people realize. Mm-hmm. Coming up on 900,000 people living here, just in the city limits, um, should be more than enough to support uh, the crew, the Blue Jackets, and the minor league football team up the street. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, Allison, John Tortorella has said some pretty interesting Things and not flattering things about the Blue Jackets' room this year. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? That the room's been a mess from the start, and it's the thing they've got to fix most. I don't. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, all y'all know if you've been listening for a while. This is my my previous life and in team culture and team building and then stuff like that and or healthy organizations and communication. Um, and, and we're, we're referencing comments on Anthony Rothman's show, um, and Maddie ice, um, on Wednesday, and they usually post out that link if people want to listen to it. But, you know, I have said this a couple of times. I don't know if I've said this on, on our show, but there has been something that has felt off to this in this group to me, honestly, from like the first two, three games, there was just something hello intangibles. Yes. I'm talking about them. Yes. They matter something off about this group to me from the first puck drop. Um, And I'm sure there's going to be some people who don't like that Torts is talking about it, but this is Torts. This is, this is how he is. He calls this stuff out. And also I agree with him that having honest conversations about everything is the best way to get to a solution. And I will also say what is just as important as we talk about all of these comments that he has made, he always, it is imperative to him that he always inserts himself as the problem for why it couldn't get fixed. He always says, and that's my responsibility. That is what I am supposed to be in charge of. We both know that he's very passionate about these kinds of topics. These are the things he thrives in discussing and dissecting and exploring. And I think he means that. And I think at the end of the day, he's right because he is the leader and he sets the culture. And he has talked since he got here about how much does he have to be in the room? When he can he turn the room over to the players? He's always talked about that. And I wonder if he'll ever open up about if he stepped away too much too soon, if something else happened. But again, I'm obviously not in the room at all this year, but it has felt off to me. And and for me, if, if that's part of the issue, I have no problem with him saying that. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm not, uh, I'm certainly not saying that you're wrong and I don't doubt that you're right. Interesting. But I, but I don't know 
Correct. That, I Correct. don't know that you're right. And I'm not saying you, you are saying no, emphatically I get it. that's yep. the case. Yep. Yep. Um, I just think that some, I think that is sort of a, it, I hate to say this, but I, I think to me, part of that feels like a cop out. And I, I don't that. mean by, I don't mean by Tortorella. I mean, by the fact that this team just isn't good enough. I get that. And I, and I don't think it was good enough to start. And I think the trade that happened the first week of the season, Dubois traded to Winnipeg, made a an underwhelming, under-talented roster, now a deeply flawed and under-talented roster. Agree. I just think they're so deeply flawed. I think they've, like you, and, and I think that stuff leads leads to a totally ineffective room. The worst thing a player can know in his bones is that they're not good enough. Yes. Like once you reach that point, nothing works. Yes. Um, and it's really hard to keep keep it together because you know you're not good enough, and this is the big leagues. Yes. Um, I think that's at play. I think that's that's been at play a lot. Like I think if this team played really, really well to the best of its abilities, given the way it was, it would just be fighting for its life still. This current um, roster or the club yes, as constructed going into the totally. season. I just don't think they're good enough. Um, and and that this has had me thinking too. This bleeds into our last one. We'll get to reader questions here in a second. Um, I look at this team and and we've talked a ton about line A. Nothing's changed there. I thought he was really not very good last night. And then he scores the shootout <laughs> goal. And, and if I may, if I may sidestep here for a second, the shootout shooters supposedly are picked by who's going. Eh. He was terrible. He, was, he, didn't he, was even play in, he didn't even play in overtime. And then he gets in the shootout. First first shot. But you know what? Anyways. I have no problem with it. And, but I don't either. And the here, idea is to win. I, right. And, yes. and, and I would say this. I would just like to say one more comment on the whole thing of, of the room. Yeah, is sure. that it, and this goes back to the debates that we have had, and I'm sure we'll continue to get into, of the narrative that nobody likes Columbus. And, and I don't disagree with anything you just said about the roster. And the talent. I think as in anything like this, the problem is so big, it's not just one thing. So I think it is very likely both of our points. I think something is wrong in that, was wrong, I should say, in that room. And, and we have to be clear, that doesn't mean like that there was a brawl. or just There was something off about the team chemistry. That can mean a right. million things. I could talk about that for hours. But something was off in the room this year. And also the roster didn't have the talent it needed, right? Like, oh, for sure. I, and for I, sure. that's, I don't think Torts is creating, and I don't think this is what you're saying, but I don't think Torts was creating a smoke screen for the issues, but I think it's relevant for people to also realize, because I agree with him that if there was something off in the room, that's a big freaking deal. And yeah. that's hard to overcome even with talent. And we've seen, we've seen that happen in Columbus, <laughs> one of the most talented teams on paper. <laughs> was yeah. a mess. So, um, you know, I, I think it can be both. And I think it's important for people to consider that as well. Yep. I guess I wonder like what came first, the room yep. was a wreck. And so the play on the ice suffered or yep. Great question. The play on the ice is torsion. So of course the rooms are wreck. Right. Like, Great question. Like I, I, some of the losingest seasons in franchise history, it Great was rooms. just, all, you know, good rooms, but there are also seasons where it's like, Ooh. it's awful in here. Jeff like Carter says just hello. Awful from yeah. Pittsburgh. Um, 
but yeah, so line A, we were on, on line Sorry. A. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, I was thinking about this. Like it's often said that Patrick line A needs, he needs a sentiment. That's what he needs. And I, I don't, I think that's letting him off way too early or too easy. I think, I think he has to play harder and better mm-hmm. and he needs a center to your point. It's not just one thing. It's way too easy to letting a player off the hook way too easy to say, well, there's no centers here. I can't do anything. He had a, he had a couple of power plays last night where he's standing low in the right circle, <laughs> literally standing low in the right circle and not moving. Yes. And I'm but, like, yes, but there's no way he's being coached to do that. But it's not like the players have been really delivering him the puck with authority and putting it on his tape when they passed it to him anyway. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, I think he needs two players on his line. Most do. I think I think he needs a playmaker to get him the puck, to set him up, deliver it. I think he can he's got an incredible shot as we know. I also think he needs a very strong defensive forward. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect and and I don't I don't say this as a slight to him. I think he's a high maintenance forward in addition to being a high skilled one. Sure. I think everything's it's like taking the Ferrari out of the garage. Everything's got to be right. Like it can't yep. be snowy, rainy. You're taking it out on the sunny day and you're not going on the gravel road. Yep. It got to be right. I think, I think Cam Atkinson falls into a similar, and I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that Cam, Cam's performance has been like line A's this year. It hasn't. I don't think he's played as well as he wants, but he's not, he's, you've not wondered where the energy level or the effort level is most nights for him. That's for damn sure. But I think he needs size on his line, and I think he needs someone who can who can distract and allow him to find open space on the ice. Mm-hmm. And Allison, I wonder, if, A, if you agree with that, but if you do, how difficult is it to make things work for both of these guys? Because I don't think line A helps Atkinson on a line. Right. And I don't think Atkinson helps line A on a line. So we're talking two separate lines and we're talking profound needs, profoundly expensive players to make either of these guys work. And we haven't even talked about Domi or Bjorkstrand. So maybe Domi can can be part of that. But I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. And and I would suggest you said it and it, and I was making a joke. But in my opinion, very it, it's like four players who don't need anybody else of a certain type on their line, right? Like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, you oh, know, follow like, me boys. Yep. Exactly. You know, whoever you, you put, whoever you put on Sidney Crosby's line, they, Jake Gunsel's a superstar now. Right. I mean, yes. and no disrespect to that guy, but none there it is. Um, every this, this is where we see, in my opinion, it, it's easy to think that coaches and GMs don't do a lot. This is what they do. And when they do it well, things work. And I, I would suggest, I tweeted out a couple of them. I actually stopped last night because there were so many. I saw some chemistry between between Domi and Bjorkstrand last night. Yep, Domi sure. came in. We talked about the fact that he was a tremendous passer in terms of putting the puck in dangerous spots. All last night, he was feeding Bjorkstrand right across the slot, which is one of the most yep. dangerous passes. And, and they were they were getting looks. They were getting chances. Um, you know, so, so yes, I think that they both need a very specific type of player. I think most players do that's quote unquote chemistry. And to your point though, and even the bigger point before, because everything's connected yeah, this, this is the problem with this team right now. And it's been, you know, just 
harangued by trades and this and that. But if these are two players that you're going to build around or maintain, the GM has to work to get those kind of players in the organization. And the coach has to understand that they fit together and make sure they know how to optimize the fact that they fit together. But, but yeah. it's again, Elvis Merzlikens is number 806 on my list of things to worry about with this, oh. <laughs> with this club yeah. right now. Cause it's questions like this that really matter. Correct. Correct. And in my issues, and I wrote about this since the Sunday gathering, the notes we, we publish every Sunday. I, I believe that the will is there. Mm-hmm. by Yarmo Kekalainen to rebuild. And 100%. I, I think he's deserving of trust from the fan base because I do. I think he's earned certainly that much. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to do things just because you want to do things. Right. Someone and else has got, to play. <laughs> oof, and he's got a lot of stuff to get through. Yeah. And so, of course, he wants to re-sign Seth Jones. Right. Of course he does. Um, of course, he wants to find someone who can work with line A. Of course, he wants to trade the right goalie and get a nice return for the other goalie. But all of those are dependent upon somebody else playing along. Yep. Um, and that that's it. Boy, this summer is going to be really interesting. The summer's going to be more interesting than the season was. hundred percent. hundred percent. Let's get to some questions, Allison. We haven't Let's done do this it. for a while. It's good because sometimes, especially uh, this point of the season, you wonder like what, what's out there and what people are really thinking about. Hmm. Uh, Leonard Farrell says, what is the thinking? And no, I'm not Leonard Farrell, although uh, this sounds like a, a question I've posed a few times. It's it a is. Great name. What is the thinking behind playing three pending UFA defensemen, Delzato, Bayreuther, Lettinen, while leaving Carlson and Peak on the bench playing few NHL games the last two years? I think you wrote on this, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. More about uh, Peak than Carlson, because mm-hmm. I, I think Peak is considered a near future top four guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer is they want to see, they're really trying to get a read on Bayreuther and Letnin to decide if these are guys that they want to keep. Mm-hmm. And I think the Delzato thing is they want to have a respectable top pair mm-hmm. and he can play with Jones. He's a UFA as well. I think they know what they've got in him. I don't understand for the life of me though, why Andrew Peak isn't playing. And I thought John Tortorella gave a very good answer yesterday that the young man, uh, Peak, looked to him at times like he was getting overwhelmed, mm-hmm. um, which is that's not the first time a, a young defenseman has reached that point in the NHL. I'd like to speak with Mr. Peak and see if he thinks that that's the case. Um, but the kid needs to play. And and just real simply, my thinking is if if this is the guy who's probably going to pair with Garrett Gavrikov next year then let's see it and let's work out some of the kinks or let's build some sort of memory file. I'm not sure it carries over to next season, but I think psychologically there'll be some relief in knowing you've played together. Let's let's take care of this now rather than get to next season and get to the preseason and go, well, that didn't look very good at all. Now what do we do? 100%. Um, Let's know. Let's let's figure some things out. And, And I think if you... I think I think young Mr. Peak needs to sink or swim. These guys know more about hockey than I am. I don't want to tell John Tortorella how to coach, but I, I feel like Andrew Peak's a guy that needs to be out there learning. And these games are very you gotta get something out of these games if you can. That seems like something you could get out of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Agreed. I agree. And I, I mean, and, you know, Torts did also outline in his comments too, that they didn't, it isn't that they can't send peak now to Cleveland because they didn't have him on the roster at the deadline. Well, they could, they could send him. They can always send him. The issue is they only get four recalls after the trade deadline, which is always that way. Right. But they didn't want to spend a recall. They didn't want to have to spend a recall on him. They think, I think they spent the last one on foodie. Okay. Um, and they, they were limited. They wanted to look at a lot of different guys. Uh, Bay Ruther, one of them, they brought a ton of guys up. I think Dalby even counted as one. Um, so yeah, they, they didn't want to have to spend one of their recalls and with nine, I think they might have nine defensemen on the roster, Allison. Okay. You can't claim an emergency recall. Right. If you've got eight healthy defensemen, um, it's still frustrating. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, it, I'm it, not it, it in GM either, but like, come on. Play. If if, if play. that's the reason you didn't send him down because you expected him to play up here, then play him up here. Yes. And if he is not going to play up here, which is a totally reasonable decision, send him down and leave him there. And and big picture here, this kid is 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 one of your top defensive. Yes. He's your top defensive prospect. What am I saying? One of your, he's your top defensive prospect. Yes. He's played like 14 NHL games. It, I mean, has he played four games? No, 14 games since last March. Yeah. Like this is just a year of development. It, it's a hard situation for so many players. Yeah. But I feel like this one you're making even, even more difficult. Yes, I agree. Um, and how, who knows how long it might, it might take him to get, uh, to get back from this. Um, next question, Allison, comes from uh, Specments CBJ. Okay. Specments CBJ. Love the podcast. With Yarmo hinting it and Torts straight up saying it today, he must have listened to the Hockey and Hound show as well. Seth looked looks prime for the captaincy. Do you also think he's the clear choice? And does this mean it's a given? He's resigning. And hmm. what impact, if any, will that have on bringing back Felino? Number one, I do think he's the clear cut choice. Yes. Number two, I do not think this is a clear cut sign that the player is going to resign with the organization. Number three, and, and you may have more insight here than I, but for me, I, I think that Felino resigned. I think it would be nice for Nick Felino if Seth Jones was here. I don't know that it's a driving part of the decision, but I might be wrong on that last part, but I feel pretty confident about the first two. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he is the next captain. I think he's carried himself naturally as that for a while now. Yep. I think it, I don't think it is uh proof and that he, until it happens <laughs> that he's resigning, but I think it's part of the package that the team is wise to present to him. Um, here's the money aspect. Here's the term. And here are the sweeteners. Yep. And here the captaincy is what an honor that is in this league to to wear that letter. So that part of it makes sense to me. I think um, I think Nick Felino would absolutely come back here and be uh, an alternate captain or not the captain. Absolutely. I, I think he's a I think he's a man who is um, who is a stable. What's the word I'm looking for? Is comfortable enough in his own status that he doesn't need that letter to lead. Mm -hmm. And I think he mm -hmm. probably recognizes that young Seth Jones is 
ready for it as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it really affects that, to be honest with you. Um, could you see this is from Ben Gelman Chomsky? Mm. Uh, could we see the Blue Jackets trade up? He's talking about the draft. If they think they have a chance at Beniers, the the uh, Michigan centerman, by packaging their highest and lowest first for a super high first and second. Um, well, I don't rule out anything. Right. And let's see where the lottery goes. They've got three firsts. This is a weird year to have three firsts. This is a weird year for anything. But it's a weird year to have three firsts because there's so little scouting uh, that a lot of these scouts have been able to do. They're all in Frisco, Texas right now, mm -hmm. um, watching the world under 18s, kind of a crash course in what this, this year's crop is like. Uh, interesting to me is this is why teams do advanced scouting, or at least this is how they can benefit from doing advanced scouting. So when they go on these trips and watch amateur games, they're charting kids that are draft eligible that year also, but they're also making notes about guys to keep an eye on in future drafts. And so a lot of these guys that are big time first round prospects right now, the Blue Jackets would already have several reports on them. Now, those are reports for are mostly in some cases from a year ago because they haven't played. The OHL hasn't played. Um, but they do have some information on these guys. It just hasn't been updated. And the NFL draft uh, tomorrow night is much the same. There are some of these guys that are going to in the first round did not play at all this year. Um, so what an interesting dynamic this makes. I think Yarmo is going to be really, really aggressive with those picks, but uh, the lottery is June 2nd, so they'll find out exactly where they're picking at that point. There's a couple of really high-end sentiment, two from Michigan, I believe, uh, and including a, a defenseman from Michigan, uh, Owen Power, who's a six-foot-six six behemoth, uh, who's probably going to go number one overall. Uh, but I, I think to answer your question, Ben, it depends – uh, what happens in the lottery and how much it would cost to move up. I'm not sure if they're picking sixth or seventh, if they could get into the top two uh, for just those, those picks. That's a lot of ground to cover, um, but we shall see. That's what makes it interesting. Uh, next question uh, from David, are the jackets planning to have Doobie? And by that, I'm going to assume he means uh, Brandon Dubinsky in the building for the last game for all to say goodbye. Is Allison still there? <laughs> I didn't know if that was you. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I don't know the answer to that question. Nor do I. I have heard no indication of it. Right. And I think I think that um, if I had to guess, much like the 20th anniversary actions have been muted um, yeah. with maybe more intention to do things when, when that arena can be full again. Um, there's probably not an impetus to try to make it happen if they want to make it happen. Um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, if they'll bring him back. Maybe they eventually, maybe he comes back in some other form, you know, maybe when they're celebrating the, the wins over Pittsburgh, the first franchise wins. But uh, I don't know that this is a priority activity for the team right now would be my guess. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. I've been shocked actually, but how he's just sort of been ghosted. Yep. Oof. Yep. And it's wild to think that he played his he played in that Tampa series in the Boston series. He was a huge part of the four check. It was a huge part. Yep. He couldn't play the next year. Yep. Mm. 
Uh, next question, Allison, you can take this one too. This is from Acquiescence is Fatal. Okay. Fine. Fine uh, name. Do you think rotating the goalies early in the season backfired and actually ended up not allowing either goalie to get comfortable or get in a groove? I don't. I actually liked it because I thought that from a management of, of the mental workload for those players, they knew what was coming and there wasn't the, am I going to, you know, Elvis was a little more vocal about this last year than, than Corpy was, but when am I going to get into a game and the weight of that pondering? Um, so I liked that there was no guessing. There was no, if I crap the bed, am I never going to play again? Kind of thing. Um, I also appreciated it. And I, I said this many times, I thought it was the right thing to do given a compressed shortened schedule. It gives each goaltender more time to rest and in theory prevents injury. Um, but that clearly backfired, but of course they went away from the strategy. So I, I still don't have a problem with that being what they chose to do at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I don't either. I, I will say this. I think uh, Corpus Hollis had a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. I think Elvis has at times too. Sorry to say that after 41 right. <laughs> shut out. Right. But, um, yeah, I'll say this though, in 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 Corpusalo's defense and Elvis's too, for that matter, not an easy team to play goal for. And their coach and his, their teammates have said the same. <laughs> uh, especially the first six, eight weeks of the season when Allison they just could not get out of their own zone. Correct. That's brutal. I mean, it was a comedy of errors back there, and that is just exhausting to not know when it's getting out. Yes. Um Here's the one from Crunchy Granola, mm. which everyone likes. Aside from the, quote, nice guy, tries hard, loves the city vibe, why would Nick Felino want to come back to a regressing bottom feeder? Well, how about that? Wow. That sounds like soggy granola. Yeah, that, that's that's a little bit of a, a that's, yeah, bummer. Harsh in, the, harsh in our already harsh vibe, bro. Um, you want that one? I mean, I look, I mean... It, it, <laughs> Just as we've talked about about the perception that players don't want to play in Columbus, players can want to play in here for whatever reason. Um, the man has a house. The man has roots, um, is beloved by those who do and do not follow hockey. He's crossed many lives with his work through um, their donation to Children's Hospital, um, the work they've done with even local children's hockey teams. His kids are young. His kids have established relationships and their schooling. Um, I like living here. I, 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 if he wants to live here, he can live here. He can play here. Why not? You know, particularly if he does win a cup, like then you can just play, play wherever you want for the fun of it. Yeah. I've got an even simpler answer. (laughs) I, I think all of those, I think all of those apply. I think the simpler answer is he wants to win the Stanley cup here. Yeah. I think I hear like I, he wants to win one, yes, but specifically wants to win one here. He has said as much. That's why he would come back. Okay. He loves the city. Yep. Um, and so and we'll take one more here. Nicholas Eckert. Okay. At Vid Student, what skill players can Yarmo get to sign with the with the Blue Jackets? Who can Domi pass a puck to? Oliver Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand. So it's an interesting free agent market. It is. This summer. And you wonder what the prices are going to be like. But some of the big ticket players out there, Taylor Hall, currently with Boston, does not have a deal. Um, hey, 
Brandon Sod's out there. Oh my goodness. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is an interesting cat. Yes. Uh, very interesting player to me. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think most people see him as a winger, not as a, as a um, center. That's right. Um, then let me make sure here. I want to make sure I'm not airing. Uh, I'm using the great site cap friendly, by the way, which we love. They provide all of that information for free. Um, please yeah. thank them. Please appreciate them. And if you are someone who writes or talks about sports and you use their site, please reference them and give them credit Always. for their work. You know who else I give credit to frequently to is hockey dash reference. You love the hockey reference. That is a wonderful site and they're good, good people. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at the, at cap friendly. So Nugent Hopkins is a centerman from Montreal um, who people seem to like. I'm not completely sold on him as a top, um, a top guy, mm-hmm. but I mean, it does. These guys, Allison, these guys don't hit the market very often. They're Correct. Top, top players. They just don't. Now, Yarmo is certainly hoping that it's different this year with the salary cap being as restrictive as it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I look at this, Nick Bugstad's out there, but this is a player whose stock has fallen. Michael Granlin will be out there again. Uh, there it is, Philip Deneau. Of Montreal, I mean, he doesn't do a ton for me. Although I hear he's a good defensive centerman. Uh, this is not a skilled player, but it's a guy we've mentioned before. And he's a big time postseason guy, and he's from Columbus. I think he'd like to play here. Sean Corrali mm-hmm. is a UFA this summer, and for me, that's a that's an upgrade, even if he never leaves the fourth line, because that's a hell of a competitive player who is a big time, big game performer, and they plan to be in a few of those. But there's not. Uh, to answer your question, Nicholas, there's just not a ton of these guys that hit UFA status. Now, uh, you're asking who we can get to sign with them, so I'm going UFAs, but I think it's going to be trades. Yep. I think that's gonna, where it's going to have to be. Um, and he's going to use the first-round draft picks to dangle it. He's going to use their salary cap as a as an enticement for teams. You know, here's a here we'll take a bad contract and a good player or – or however they want to work that. And I think he's hoping also to use their space on an expansion protected list uh, for teams that may have trouble protecting. But we went through this last week and there's not, it's not exactly a, a who's who of hockey that, that seemed to be on the cusp of being available through the expansion draft. So correct, he's got some work cut out for him. Correct. Yes. Allison, anything else we need to get to? Uh, I think we've covered it. I think this is the longest podcast in front and nationwide history. I don't know. We'll have to check. It's pretty long, though. So thank you all for sticking with us. Yeah, if you're still there. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, Danielle Lehman, our great producer. uh, Big ups. And David Cook, the wonderful intro music. And folks, thanks for listening. We'll be with you again next week. Talk to you soon.